Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our internet family if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're continuing on our uh, series called Roots, and we're talking about the values that hold us in place, hold our life in place. You know, we've had too many storms lately, and, um, but just the metaphor of that in life, we have storms as well. We have, we have wind and rain and sometimes strong gusts in life, and uh, we need something that holds us up and holds us in place, and we're using that idea of roots concerning that. Let's go ahead right into the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 17. This is actually our foundational passage, uh, the whole 28 years of the church. And it says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. But watch this. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Look at the results of this. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its what, what? roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. It did not say that heat would not come. It just said you didn't have to fear when that comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And so we have our choice here of being a tree or being some kind of shrub or tumbleweed. And the obvious choice, of course, would be that tree. That tree is the word picture for us of what I think a life in God, a life where we're loving and endeavoring to follow God and his work in our life. Um, I think that tree is the word picture for that, this tree that is strong and stately. Here's one way that we try to sum it up. Uh, It's a person that would be happy, help me if you know it, happy, stable, fruitful, blessed, so that what? So it could be a blessing ultimately, why? To bring glory to God. Please never get tired of hearing that, okay? Because that's what you want in your life. How many of you want to be happy? If you're happy and you know, no, no, no. we won't do that. Uh, happy, here's the next one, stable. How many of you wish more of your relatives were stable? Okay, happy, stable, so you could be fruitful. And you will never get to the fruitful part if the happy and stability is not there. Fruitful. So you can be blessed. And all of that is for the purpose of being a blessing. And ultimately, that's what brings glory to God. Amen? I was running some errands for my wife yesterday, and I pulled up the grocery store, and look what I pulled right in front of here, this car. I took a picture. See that? And I thought, happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. Now, it might have been high school football, or it might have been heritage savings in federal bank. I don't know, but to me, happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. And if, and if that's your car, you get a free coffee in the, in the cafe, you know, but happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. Well, what holds us in place are our values. And uh, let's look at this, uh, progression here. Values, your values are what you hold, uh, most dear, most important on the inside of you. 
It's what you believe to be important. It's our core values. So you have your values, which inform your priorities. Your priorities will then make your decisions for you. They will. Your decisions are going to come out of those priorities. And then your decisions will determine your outcomes. So read it with me. Values, priorities, decisions, outcomes. Now, if we end up with an outcome that we don't like, an undesirable outcome, what most people do is they just go back to step three and they say, well, I must have decided wrong. And so they redecide. Well, the problem with that is some people are redeciders uh, a lot because this is not necessarily where you went wrong. I think you need to go all the way back to the top, drill down into your values and your beliefs. I believe our outcomes are more value and belief based than they are just decision-based. Now, yes, the last trigger was decisions, but we're always going to find that it comes back into your values. Are you with me on that? So uh, what we're after is a life that works, a life that matters, a life that makes a difference, a life that glorifies God. And so in all of that, our values matter. They matter. And so what we're sharing in this series are, are Uh, values that are core to me. They're values that are core to this ministry. They they, uh, define so much of what we do around here and what what I do in my life. We want to, over the course of this series, help you to discover and define what your values are. See, we proclaim to be a people of values and principles, but have you boiled it down and said, this is what's at my core, this is what's important to me. This is what drives and directs my life. And so we're going to help you over the next few weeks to kind of determine that for yourself. And I think that will be nothing but, but helpful for you as well. So this is our second week. Last week we shared uh, 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 one of our values. Does anybody remember what last week was? I'm sorry that all of y'all missed service last week. It was really a good one, okay? Uh, biblical truth. Go ahead and say it. Biblical truth. And today, and you can go back, that's archived. You can go back and watch that. And I would encourage all of you that missed it to do that. And then uh, today, we want to talk about authenticity. Say authenticity. authenticity. Authenticity is to be genuine, to be real, to be sincere. It does not mean to be perfect. Perfection is not the goal. Hear me. Perfection is not the goal. Progress is the goal. Okay, hear that. Perfection's not the goal because we can't do perfection. And what happens when we have a standard, if we do view perfection as the goal and the standard, we're not going to be able to do that. And so you know what we end up doing? We end up being not authentic because we either have to pretend something because we did not get it all right, or we have to cover and hide, go back to the original fall of man in the garden. What did, it, what did they do immediately? They began to hide. They, they fashioned clothing out of fig leaves, you know, and we still do the same thing. When we don't measure up to a standard, we, we tend to hide or pretend in some way. And so we want to talk about authenticity and the importance of it. Um, if perfection is the goal, then here's what it is. It's, it's try really hard and it's a pass-fail kind of thing. And, and we're not trying. We are training. So we're not after perfection because we can't do perfection, but we are after some progress in our lives. Can you say amen on that? 
Now look with me, if you will, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is writing to a young minister named Timothy. And watch carefully here. He said, now the purpose of the commandment, let me just stop here, is not a single command, uh, commandment here. He's talking about the instructions. So I believe that as New Testament believers, we should be living the letters. And by that, I mean the New Testament epistles or letters that were written. Paul wrote two-thirds of those. And so you've got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second, Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, and so on. Those letters, and they're all kind of short, but what they do is they give us, you and I, instruction on how to live this Christian life in this world. So I think we should be living the letters. Paul sums up for Timothy, and he says, now the purpose, the aim, the goal of the instructions is what? Come on, a little better. Love. love. Now watch this, though. It is love, the purpose, the aim, the goal of it all is love that is from, also rendered issues from, flowing from, watch carefully, a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. So if I could give you an active definition of authenticity, it would be a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Well, what happens with that is that's where love flows from. This is the importance of us being authentic and having authenticity in our life because it is out of that pure heart, good conscience, sincere faith that allows love to spring up out of our life. What is the command? The command is love. As Pastor Ryan was referring to, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so I'm never going to be able to love God right, love myself right, or love people appropriately if I don't have his love flowing out of me. And I think it is always connected to us being authentic, genuine, sincere, having that pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith that helps that to flow. Amen? So authenticity is something you can see and it is something that you can sense. Time tells if something is authentic. You know, time tells. That's why you should never marry someone after the first date. <laughs> time tells. Uh, consistency kind of confirms the presence of, of authenticity. Um, because you can, you can fake something for a little while. I have, and I brought it with me today, um, a Rolex that I, I took a trip to New York a couple years ago, and in Chinatown... I bought a Rolex. I got the guy down to 20 bucks for a Rolex. It says Rolex, but time tells that this does no longer tell time, okay? So apparently, and on the back, it's even got a thing with a number on it and everything, but it's not authentic, okay? And time tells, consistency confirms the presence of, and don't wait, try to steal my Rolex, uh, the presence of authenticity. Because you can fake anything for a little while. You know, uh, you can be nice to people for a little while. You know, that's why they say if people stay past two, three days, you know, it goes away. But um, anything, you know, maybe you were that kid in PE, you know, and uh, middle school or something. You didn't want to do all the running. And so you go, coach, I got, you, you're a kid with a 
with a limp. Coach, I got hurt. I can't run today. And then the coach sees you after lunch walking just normal. And because you can't fake very long. He said, Coach, I got healed in third period. You know? One time I tried to do a telemarketer, one of those sales calls. I thought, okay, I'm going to talk to him in a British accent. And I could only do about a sentence or so. Um, how many of you, anybody seen the show The Voice? The Voice? Kind of cool show. It's a singing competition. We've been watching it some, and they're in what they call the blind auditions now. So you got these four celebrity judges in these big chairs, and their back is to the contestant that comes on. So they don't see them. This show is called The Voice. They're making their judgment just on The Voice, not what they look like or anything else. And so they come out, and if they like them, they'll hit this big button, and their, their chair turns around, and you know they want them to be on their team. So it's kind of a cool thing. But we've been watching it some, and I've just been thinking, I, I could do this. I, I could fake the first little bit of a song. And I've been thinking about it, you know, like, summertime. And the living in is easy. That's all I got. Because so, if I go any further, nobody's going to turn their chair around for me. My point, you can fake anything for a little while. And what, what happens, time tells if it's authentically, genuinely, you know, what it's supposed to be. Social media today presents everybody's best, the best version of their life. And you look at some people's social media and it's an endless string of happy, perfect days and fancy friends and, and everything else. And it makes the rest of us feel, well, that's not my life. You know, and so there it goes again, this pressure that comes in that forces some people to not be authentic. Jesus said that you'll know them by their fruit, not by the front that they put up, but by their fruit. And fruit happens over time. You know, we we see things being certified as authentic or a certificate of authenticity. Um, You know, another show that's on is... is, uh, uh, antique road show. Honestly, I hardly watch TV at all. And now I've already talked about two TV shows, but antique road show and, and a person will come in and they've got some family heirloom that they bring in and they want this expert to tell them how much it's worth. And he looks at it and says, this is a cheap replica. You know, it's, it's not worth anything. And they're, they're what? Their hopes, they're dashed. They're just disappointed. Other people come in with something they bought $3 at a yard sale you know, I just want to see if it's worth something. It's worth like a million dollars and it belonged to Ben Franklin. You know, the, those, those kind of things. And so authenticity, when something is certifiable, genuine, authentic, it raises the value of it. And certainly that speaks to what God wants in our life. Jesus spoke about a brand of people that he called hypocrites. Hypocrites. The word actually means to be an actor or a pretender. And Jesus had some real choice words about hypocrites, those that would act or pretend around the things of God, and especially those that would lead concerning the things of God. Some of the objections that we sometimes get even concerning uh, a friend that you would invite to come to church, some of the pushback they would have is, well, church is boring and church is irrelevant. 
I want you to know at Meadowbrook, we, with every fiber of our being, resist being boring or irrelevant. We, we believe that church done right is the hope of the world. So that's, we pour our whole selves into that. The other pushback some people give is, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites at church, and church is fake, and church is hype. And we must also push back against that and do everything that we can to be authentic, authentic. And we don't need to fake anything. We don't need to hype anything. I'm allergic to hype. I think that when, especially around the things of God, when somebody has to be hypey about it, that means they don't understand the greatness of God. You don't have to put on for God. You don't have to ratchet up things and exaggerate things about God. Did you know that we can just come together with honest hearts, didn't have a perfect week, but come with an honest heart, and he promises this, that if two or more are gathered together in my name, I will be there in the midst of them. And we also know from the word of God that if we lift him up, we have two purposes every service, to lift up and then to listen up. As we lift him up, it says he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. If we'll just come with honest, humble heart, we don't have to, we don't have to hype anything up. Are, are you all hearing me? And, and you don't have to uh, exaggerate about the goodness of God. He just is good. And if you just settle down and slow down just for a little bit and invite his goodness into your life, his power into your life, you'll see it happen in your life. Amen? So we don't need to hype. We don't need to fake. We don't need to pretend. And uh, we certainly want to take that excuse away from people as far as coming, as, as far as coming to church. Um, Authenticity is a value for ministry. It's a test of ministry. Um, that Are you believable? And that's the thing for all of us. So from the pulpit to politics, sorry to bring those up, uh, from the car lot to the courtroom, any setting you might would be in, believability is a big, big thing. And think about it. Think about it now. If you perceive, and whoever it is presenting something, if you perceive a lack of authenticity, a lack of sincerity in them, in the messenger, then guess what you're also going to be suspect of? Their message. And we watch it all the time in all the different arenas of life. And God, help us that that's not the case in ministry, and it's not the case in your personal life as you endeavor to share with people around you. You want to be authentic. Because, see, if you don't live in an authentic way that you're not believable, that's why we want you to be happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. You know, if you don't live in a believable way, people aren't going to believe the message that, that you try to share with them. I remember I was about eighth or ninth grade, and my grandpa uh, called my mom and said, hey, I got a great deal on some beef. And he said, I can get you a whole half a cow, a whole side of beef freshly cut and wrapped and you can just load it up in your freezer. I got a great deal on it. My mom said, oh, it sounds good. So I remember her saying, well, when should we come? And he goes, well, you have to come after dark. <laughs> said, the guy told me after dark at my house. So we drove over and we're waiting, you know, and all of a sudden this van comes up the road, turns off its lights, and then turns into, and so, you know, now, Mr. Sketchy, the beef guy, uh, comes and looks around and then quickly offloads for my grandma or for my grandpa and for my mom this beef. So, guess what? We're suspect of him, so we're suspect of what he's delivering. Are y'all with me? 
And so we're not even sure it was beef. <laughs> and so the same is true for us. The same is true for me. That, that we have to live in such an authentic way. Not perfect. Remember, perfection's not the goal. But progress is, is the goal. That we want to be genuine, article, sincere, authentic. Because what's at stake is our message that we would share with others around us. Amen? So let's look real quick. How do we nurture? How do we maintain authenticity in our life? Let me give you the goal, first of all, and it is this. To be you. To be you. You just have to be you. And that can be a problem, though. Because I can remember my mom, you know, saying, boy, you're full of yourself today, right? And so we don't want to just be you. We want to be you, here we go, full of God. Be you full of God. And this, the, John the Baptist stated this probably best. He said, he must increase, I must decrease. So you need to be you, fully you, but don't use you as an excuse to be you. See, we want to continue, he must increase, I must decrease. He made you a certain way. You have a certain personality. You don't have to change that, but you want to, you want to allow it to become more and more of him that is expressed through you and your personality and gifts and so forth. Are you following? Um, so let's look at a couple of things here. In, uh, I'm going to give you three of these real quick. First one is this. Here's what we do. Pay attention. Everybody say pay attention. Pay attention. Tell your neighbor, pay attention. Well, it's not that pay attention. It's to pay attention uh, to being you full of God. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, look well to yourself. And this is in the Amplified Bible. Notice in brackets. Look well to yourself, to your own, what? Personality and to your teaching. Let me stop just for a moment here. The Apostle Paul, who is writing this, was so... Uh, strong on this. This was such a prime message for him about your teaching, about your doctrine. He didn't want error in doctrine, error in teaching, false teaching, false doctrine. So this is just a prime thing of importance to the Apostle Paul. But notice what he put first before that was not just the message and not just the teaching. He said, look well to yourself and to your own personality and to your teaching. Persevere in these things Hold to them, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and who? Those who hear you. So what's at stake ultimately is those who hear you. And what he's saying is, if you do this right, by doing so, you will save not just about a home in heaven and forgiveness of sins. This has the idea to bring wholeness to your life. Happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. So by doing so, you not only bring wholeness to your life, you can bring wholeness to the lives of those who hear you. The important thing, though, is that you don't cancel your message somehow by the way you are. You know, I had, I had some teachers along the way that taught the same stuff, but because of the way they taught, you know, their personality and so forth, it's like, I can't hear you anymore. It's like Charlie Brown's teacher. There we go, three television shows. Charlie, womp, 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 womp. How many of you had teachers that just sounded like that? I hear you, but I can't hear you. 
And then others, they shared things, and you were able to zero in on that. And he's saying, pay attention. Pay attention to yourself, to your own personality. Make sure that your personality is not overriding your message. Make sure that your, your personality is becoming more and more like his personality, the fruit of the Spirit. And so we want to make sure in this. Check yourself out. You know, make sure, pay attention to you so, again, you don't cancel all of this out. Also under pay attention, I I have this. Jesus warned about the hypocrites again. He said, be careful that you're not like them because they do things to be seen. And so if your motivation in doing anything is to be seen, it's to be noticed, that's bad motivation. And Jesus said, "You, you need to choose to not do that and guard, pay attention even to your motives. So the first one is pay attention. The second one is this one, put away, put away. Everybody say put away. You put away. Um, look with me in First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, why do we like babies and small children? Because they're unpretentious. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious or good. And maybe you have tasted that the Lord is good. He's good. And because you know that the Lord is good, you also want to be able to convey that to others. Go back to the first verse on that, if you would. So here's what we do. We lay aside, we put away all malice, all, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. This is a choice. This is a choice that you, I, are to put these things away. And I've noticed this in about three or four different verses as I was studying. It seems that hypocrisy and envy travel together. Hypocrisy and envy travel together. I would even say that hypocrisy sprouts out of envy because envy does this. Envy makes you jealous. Envy makes you, when you're jealous of somebody, you feel less than. You feel like they have something more. They're better. And then it causes you to what? It causes you to pretend. It causes you to to cover if if you're jealous. I can remember in about fourth grade, how many of you ever lied at show and tell? <laughs> Three of us. Let's do lunch. <laughs> Liar's lunch on Tuesday, okay? We're all the, no, no, no. Uh, my parents had divorced. I'm living in a horrible little trailer park. As I say, nothing wrong with trailer parks. There was something wrong with our trailer park, okay? And show and tell, my new school that I was at, there were all these rich, fancy kids, you know, and I'm... I'm you know, life was not very good. And I'm watching one day because in the, the lot next to our trailer, they're putting in a septic tank. Okay, so they're putting in the septic tank. And I noticed these big porous rocks that they were using in the drain field. And I snatched up a few of those. Thought it looked like moon rocks to me. <laughs> Put them in a Ziploc bag, took them for show and tell. Couldn't let anybody touch them because my uncle that works for NASA loaned them to me to bring for... <laughs> for show and tell. My teacher just kind of did this the whole time. Now, I've repented for it. God has forgiven me, okay? Why did I do that? Why did I even say that? It's because of envy. It's because of envy. Because another little girl had a whole working volcano in a city that lit up off a solar something in 1968, Okay? And, and so envy, you feel less than, you don't feel good enough. And so you know what you do? You pretend something. 
You act something, and we do it. I maybe did that in fourth grade, but we do it now as adults. And so I'm going to tell you something that will hurt you first, and then it will free you. Okay, you ready? There's always going to be somebody better than you. Okay, that hurts, but it frees you. There's always going to be somebody prettier, smarter, richer, stronger, faster, better than you. So here's what we do. You don't have to be the best. I'm going to relieve you Americans. Ready? You don't have to be the best. You just have to be the best you. You just have to be the best you. And so it's you, full of God, not perfection, making progress, laying some things aside so we can get rid of the envy out of our life. This will help you to get rid of some of the envy here. I call it the three C's. Watch this. Don't compete. Don't compare. Don't complain. Read them with me. Don't compete. Don't compare. Don't complain. You know, we need to break out of the cycle that causes envy and jealousy in our life. And so that we can be free. Everybody say free. You are free to be you. But you have a responsibility to continue to become the best you that you can be. You now have the freedom to be authentically you. And God will help you with that. So pay attention. Put away. And then thirdly, and this is super important, private before public. Private before public. You need to take care of your inner world before you try to impress your outer world. You need to take care of what's going on inside and be less concerned about everybody and everything outside. And I think the best way for that to happen is at the very beginning of your day. Don't wait till 10.30 in the morning. Don't wait till 1.15 in the afternoon. Don't wait till um, just before dinner in the evening. I think you need to start your day with what I call an honest beginning. An honest beginning before the Lord. Humbly come before the Lord every day. And I say this in all humility too. I begin every day with a bow. I physically bow before the Lord every day. I'm hoping that when I'm 90 years old, I'll still be able to physically bow and get back up, you know? And I'm only three years away from being 90. See, it's working. It's working. (laughs) Joking. Another lie. Sorry. (laughs) Teasing. But I bow before the Lord and I simply say from my heart essentially the same thing every day. And I say this, you are God and I am not. You made me, I did not make myself. You take care of me because you care for me. I'm the sheep of your pasture. And when you humble yourself before God, and let me, let me tell you this, the greatest thing you can be is humble. And you have God's grace in your life, but humble yourself. An honest beginning every day with the Lord frees you then to be authentic. And Psalm 139 tells us, and I would include this in the private before public, invite inspection, invite inspection. Ask the Holy Spirit to inspect you. Psalm 139 verse 23 and 24 says this, search me, O God. And know my heart and know my thoughts, know my motives and check me out deeply. I'm paraphrasing now and see what's messed up in me and help me with that and then lead me in the right way, the way that goes everlasting. But you need to invite that. I'll tell you the best way for correction and adjustment to happen in your life is before your creator and your redeemer. And every morning to just say, search me, 
Show me, God, where I'm missing. Help me with my personality. Help me with my insecurities. Help me where I'm jealous. Help me where I'm pretending. Help me, and God will get in there. He will gently and strongly show you what's wrong, and he'll show you how to, how to have some help with that. And this is what happens. When you get your inner world, your private world on, on better footing, you're going to be much more free and confident in your outer world. So the private always precedes the public. Can you say amen? amen? So be you, but be you full of God. He must increase. You must decrease. Realize that, that you, are, you have divine design. God created you, uniquely you. You are a custom creation. And here's what the enemy of your soul wants to do. Listen to me. He wants to get you off of what God created you to be. He wants to get you away from who God created you to be. He wants to get you feeling insecure, insecure about your body, about your voice, about your background, about your name, about your color, about your gender, about anything else to get you away from who and what you're supposed to be, get you thinking you got to copy this and pretend that and be like them. And what he does, he neutralizes you, reduces you, limits you, and you never become all that God destined and planned for you to be. You never have the joy that you wanted. You never have the fruitfulness that you wanted. And so what you need to do is humbly come before God. Pay attention. Put away. Private before public. And make it a core value. I pray that you'll embrace it as your own. This core value. God, I just want to be real. I want to be me. I want to be me full of you. Perfection's not the goal. Progress is the goal. Day by day, God, help me to make progress to be all that you created me to be. And that, to me, is a super, super important core value. And my prayer is that you'll make it yours as well. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.